Season 2, Episode 2. It's the hero's journey of comics. Is this the adventure you've planned for me? Braving the winding road of geekdom. I didn't come here to tell you how this is going to end. I came here to tell you how it's going to begin. Sharing our advice. We believe that his example could inspire. People need dramatic examples to shake them out of apathy. And exposing our mistakes. This is all going to end badly. Everybody has an agenda. Welcome to the Show Me Comicast. Welcome back to the Show Me Comicast. I'm Tim Pickerel, digital media producer for Show Me Comics. And I'm Jordan Taylor, and I've ingested a lot of chemicals. I won't tell you what kinds of chemicals, but I've ingested a lot of them. And that's so that I can get all pumped up to write blogs and comic book scripts for ShowMeComics.com. And I'm Sam Richardson, and I am here. Yay! Finally. I am Nuh-uh. the artist, illustrator, <laughs> graphic designer for Show Me Comics and Hafu Graphic Novel, and I am sitting right next to a box of Emo's Pizza, and even though they aren't our sponsor, I'm very happy to have this box of pizza next to me. I just wish that I could eat it while we were on air, but I can't because it would make the rest of you hungry. I wish I could eat I it. I think you I should can't. eat it on air, All right. for sure. I'm going to ingest chemicals on air. <laughs> He's so. not even talking about the pizza. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well... Pizza is a good segue into what we want to talk about today in a very, very obtuse way. It's football season, almost Super Bowl time, so you're going to be ordering pizza. And what we want to talk about today is the gridiron, since it is football season. But it when is obtuse. I, yeah, it was a stretch. <laughs> <laughs> but this is our football gridiron special, and by that what we want to talk about is the grid layout in comic books because sequential art basically falls onto a grid. Would you agree, guys? Oh, definitely. Absolutely. That didn't sound wholehearted. <laughs> <laughs> to me, it's like, well, He's obviously. still looking at the box okay. of pizza. No, I'm glad that you said that. I don't to even y- think he heard you. To you, as the artist and lifelong comic book fan, you say, obviously. But to other people, it's not so obvious the way sequential art is laid out. And the way I came up with the idea for this episode is actually kind of uh, selfish reasons, because I stated on our uh, end of the year podcast, our Christmas special, that the next comic book script that I want to write, I wanted to have it be less like a film script and more like a comic book script. And one of the problems I've been running into is I don't have that visual layout just in my head to where I don't think in panels. There's probably a lot of comic book writers that have been lifelong comic book fans that have an understanding of the grid that think in panels. Myself, the last script that I wrote was very uh, much like a movie script. And because I've done a lot of video production, I do think in video production terms. So I think in establishing shot you know, tracking shot, over-the-shoulder, close-up, extreme close-up, things like that. So that, if you were able to try to use that kind of language, I'm on board. When you say, we're going to break this down into panels now, I think, um, so how many panels should be on the page? And when you tell me that varies, 
There could be five panels on a page. There could be 16 panels on a page. Right. There could be one panel on a page called the splash page. And I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa. You're speaking French. I'm speaking English. You know, I, I have no idea what you're talking about. Le panel. And after that, did you? Now you're speaking Greek. What the heck? I don't know what's going on. So, right. Sam, I want you to be our translator and explain the gridiron to us. Well, when, and go ahead. Uh, uh, but I think there's a good way to approach this, like a, a systematic way. Um, a big convenience that I have in, in knowing you, you know, I, I knew going into the script, your background with films and, and cinema. So I knew reading it, you were approaching it from a very cinematic standpoint. So reading this script, you know, I looked at it as, okay, what would this look like as if it was a movie? And then how do I take that and break it into comic book panel form? How do I make some of these panels look as if they were coming right off of a movie storyboard and not just a standard Marvel comic? Um, the, the downside to that is, let's say you just gave this to another comic book artist that didn't know you anywhere, and they look at that script, they're going to flip through it and go, oh, man this is going to take forever. This is going to need 50 pages. And how come this guy didn't do this? And how come he didn't do that? Not understanding that you don't come from a comic book background. Right. Or say uh, you're a writer that wants to capture an artist that's really good. That's not good at comic books. Right. So like, let's say Alex Ross, I don't know his actual background, but let's just pretend before he did comic books, he only did portraits, right. you know? then he needs the writer to be the translator. He needs to be the writer, the one that, you know, translate oh, French totally. to English to him. So Totally, but to me, that's what made it unique. And to me, that's what separates our brand of comic books from other places, is that, you know, as the lead writer, you, you don't necessarily come from comic book format. You come oh, from I cinema, agree. and that gives our comics a very cinematic feel. As the artist, though, sometimes it's... I don't want to say that it's frustrating, but it's like... To give it that cinema feel, one of the reasons that, like, if you've got your copy of Hafu right now, you can open it up. If you don't, make sure you go to showmecomics.com and buy your <laughs> copy of Hafu right now for $9.99, plus shipping and handling. Uh, one of the things that you'll notice is that there's a lot of pages where there's no dialogue. You might go three or four pages where it's just, you know, four or five panels with nothing said, but it's not boring. Right. You know, most comics, you don't go very many pages without dialogue. Like, I have an I have an issue of Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, the recent one from IDW inside here. And let's see. I open it up the first page. We've got six panels and four pages of dialogue with four different sound effects. <clears throat> the next and page. And then it gets dialogue heavy. <laughs> more dialogue, more dialogue. Like, each page probably has about eight to ten word balloons. Each page, each page. I'm already yeah, halfway you know, through the book. That always bothered me when I was a comic book reader because I didn't grow up on it. Was you're seeing a shot that looks like it's a slow mo slow motion still, right? So it, it's happening over the course of say five seconds, and then you've got word balloons that are happening over the course of two minutes. You know, but I could complain about that all day. But the point here is, we've got a lot of listeners out there that. Uh, don't have the advantage of someone like you to just translate the film style script right. into well, the grid layout. But on the other hand, we've probably got artist listeners out there right. that are like, I really don't know how to translate right. a script well, that doesn't have a grid layout into one that makes sense for storytelling. Well, what I was going to segue that too, and 
what I think is important and what's cool about the way that you write the scripts and, and the cinematic feel is it's important as an artist learn to convey emotions and learn how to tell stories with your art. I mean, that's something that I think is, is dying in comic books now is the ability for the artist to tell the story. I mean, or to at least follow through with what the writer's trying to get across. Not everything right. has to have a you know dialogue to it, just like a movie. You know, I mean, how many often do you see scary films or the real dramatic or sad or emotional parts of a movie where nothing is said? You know, it's just there's the actor, the look of their face, the tension. And sure, music helps, but you get what I'm saying where there's no dialogue. And as an artist, you can still get that across in comic book format. You just have to understand how many panels do you need to do that? Where do you need to pull off? Where do you need space? In That's a good point. Panels? How do you control time? How do you get somebody to focus on a person's emotion that, you know, do you do it in a splash page or do you do it in 16 panels that show the same image for 16 panels? You know what I mean? This is what I do. First thing I would well, do. I think you're jumping ahead. <laughs> <laughs> well, what I was going to propose was that by the end of this episode, we try to give the listener like four or five basic templates right. of grid layouts. Like, hey, and the reason why you would use them. So right. let's say six by six. Right. If you want to drop a six by six into your comic, why are you doing that? Right. If you want to drop a splash page in your comic, why are you doing that? I don't know the answers to these questions. I don't think Tim knows the answers I to these questions. Don't know the answers right. to these I think questions. only Sam knows. So right. what we want to do is almost interview Sam. Right. And what I did, <laughs> it reminds me of. Uh, in the movie Chasing Amy, when uh, they have a dispute about Archie and how Archie feels towards certain certain people, certain groups of people, mm -hmm. and uh, you know, one they're arguing back and forth, and the guy says, "You know what? We're going to do right now. We're going over to the comic book shop, and I'm going to buy an inordinate amount of Archie books to prove to you once and for all." that Archie is all about one specific thing. So what I did today was I brought an inordinate stack of comic books that we could rifle through to prove that there's a recurring pattern in these comic books that we could use to say, hey, a 6x6 six six does this, a splash page does this, so on and so forth. So right. those are the... We have... Uh, some evidence to back us up in the inordinate stack of comic books. We have questions from Tim and myself to ask Sam. So, Sam, you're in the hot seat. How hot does it feel? I'm I'm melting. Uh, well, we're going to have to <laughs> cut this so short because he's dying and he's going to soon <laughs> but be But I a, love it because it was like 20 below here in St. Louis until today. <laughs> Way to localize us. Well, we already used emos and... <laughs> yeah, that was kind of the giveaway. No, it could have been imos or who knows. You don't... They didn't know that. You but. just totally did their commercial, and we're not getting paid for it. Hey, I didn't do the commercial. The commercial is MVP Most Valuable Pizza with a guy <laughs> that doesn't even live here anymore. All right, uh. so moving on. The first thing I want to hey, out of that inordinate amount of books, throw me a book. I want a, a book. No, I want Saga. Oh, a book. And I want Conan. So throw me a book is two books, and it wasn't a random book. So I'm holding. A copy of The Savage Sword of Conan from 1984, and I'm holding a copy of Saga, which was from earlier this year, I believe, or last year. Uh, these obviously separated by 30 years, 
But I listened to a very interesting interview recently with some people that do uh, digital comics. And what they said was, you know, when we were reinventing our format for digital comics, what we did is we went back to the Silver Age and learned how to do it from them. And that's how we do it on the digital comics. And I thought hmm. that was very wow. interesting. And what I did was I took this 1984, which may, does that fall under Silver Age or not? 84? Yeah. No. I didn't think so. But probably the people that worked on this comic worked during the Silver right. Age as well. Right. And so then I've got the, you know, not even a couple year old saga. And what I did was I flipped them open. And if you look at them, they've got really clean borders. And if you flip open Conan, they've got really clean borders. Now throw me uh, either Marvels or The Dark Knight. All right, so I've got The Dark Knight in front of me, and we flip that open. And I don't know, it's kind of jumbly. I think the Marvels might be kind of a better example. All right. Because Dark Knight was kind of those, both those close. books are still pretty old. Like if you're looking for something more current, or there was a more current as far as uh, borders getting jumbled. You want to look in the well, like mid '90s. Here we go. Look at this now. one. Oh yeah, this page right here. So we've got a page where word balloons are bleeding off of panels. Um, four panels are spread over two pages that are over a double splash page. It all looks great. But if you look back at the example from Conan from 1984, it it uses very set, almost grid layouts. Right. And if you look at Saga, which is it seems to be the more recent trend and the trend towards digital comics is that very clean grid layout returns. Right. Not saying that's what everybody has to do, but maybe we can use that as a starting point. Right. Uh, the first thing I want to talk about is the splash page. Because when I was reading the first uh, trade paperback of Saga, that's something I noticed big time was the splash page and how they used it. The very first page is a splash page. Not a... Well, you just mean in that book. No, I mean in this book. So I was wondering, how do you use a splash page? Is Because if I was just the person to study Saga, it's like almost the first page of every issue is a splash page. Right. And it, Which it, it shouldn't necessarily be that. I think as comic book artists evolving is definitely not the right word um at some point i think artists just got lazy and they just assumed that the first page is the splash page no matter what which it shouldn't be i mean it should be that first scene that kind of drives home the nail to the audience of this is what this story is about you know right. it's like if it if, if again we're comparing it to movies that's the uh usually that first big thing before the title screen hits now, the thing I would say about this is I say it's a splash page, but then you probably have two different categories you could break a splash page up into. That splash page that I just showed you was a close-up of a person's face. Right. You could also have a splash page of, say, a battlefield where a million freaking things are going on. Right, yeah. The, um, the example Tim just held up. Well, that's a double splash, which is a totally different beast, but we want to focus on the single-page splash. So... Um, that's another component, I guess. When you have a splash page, you only have one shot to pick. Right. Whereas if you had two panels, you could do an establishing shot and a close-up. But on a splash page, you can't do that. So, Sam, tell us, 
when and where do you use a splash page and what does it accomplish? Uh, well, I go back to, like I said about the, the title screen of a movie, it's gotta be that beginning point of the story where you're trying to drive home, you know, that point to your reader, like, look, this is what you're getting into. This is what this book is about. You know, I mean, the cover is supposed to sell the book, but not necessarily sell the story. The cover is just supposed to be that the box art that gets you to look at and go, wow, this looks interesting. Right, it's the movie trailer. Right, but it doesn't necessarily tell you what the, the comic book's about. A good one, as we've talked about previously in other episodes, go download it now, will we'll give you an idea. It, it might hook you in, but it's not going to really drive home the point of that's what this exact, ep, you know, this exact episode, this exact issue is about. So, you know, whenever it comes to the comic books and the splash page, uh, now, you're not going to get too far into the book before you hit that first splash. Because, again, whenever people are looking at your store, at least traditionally, they're picking it up in a store. They're flipping through just a couple pages. So that's why you don't want right. the splash page to be 10 pages in because they're not going to get that far. Well, how does the splash page control time? Because I, I read uh, what's it, Scott McCloud's right. sequential art book that you recommended to me. And I noticed a lot of the panel breakups and the grid layouts are about how much time a reader spends looking at a single image. Right. And, and that, that was eye-opening to me because I never thought about it that way as pacing. So how does a splash page work into that model? Okay. Uh, I mean, essentially, that's that's what your panels do. That's what the space in between, the border or the gutter, whatever you want to call it, that is your definition of time whenever you're reading comic books. And that's like earlier you said, where do you fit in a 6 by 6 or this many or that? That's where you get to really take your reader along. How fast is something going or how slow is it going? Your splash page is just like, that is just one moment in time. I mean, you literally just hit pause on everything and you want to give them a chance to scan the entire page to see exactly what all is going on here. You know, if that's your title page, that's your, your movie screen where the title hits and it drives home. This is what the story is about. You want to give them a chance to study that whole image. You give them the whole page because it might only be one actual second of time, but right. we froze it. We're giving them a chance to see, like, there's buildings follow. There's your hero in the foreground, and they look totally, you know, uh, anxious. Something's going on. Something's dangerous. There's buildings falling down. There's people running. Maybe there's a girl tied up in the corner. Even though it's just one second of time, that that huge picture takes up the entire page so that it's like you, you can tell time has just stood still. You've just froze it and you're getting a chance to look at all the little things going on and start, you know, absorbing into your brain. Oh, this is what's happening in this story. I can already tell just from this picture what's going on and what might possibly come next. And that's, you know, I think you hit it on the money there. The splash page really is that frozen image because right. if we look at saga, that very first page earlier, I said, well, there's a close-up, but there's also splash pages that are establishing shots. So when do you use which if you want to freeze both? Right. Because in Saga, the very first page is, it's a woman in labor. So they use a close-up of her face, and she's got an intense look. What she says is quite uh, intense. And she has, like, some sweat, you know, on her and, and things like that. And they want you to to be in her pain and her emotion and for a little bit before you hit world. Right. You know what I'm saying? So they used it to freeze, but they used it on a close up so that you could get deep in. It almost reminds me of Kill Bill. Yeah, go ahead, Tim. Oh, I was just going to say like when 
you had mentioned you were talking about establishing shots and how Saga you thought opened up with a splash on every page. I'm flipping through it, and it's true. Just about every beginning chapter has a splash page going into it. And the thing that I'm noticing that's consistent with it, it is capturing the moment, but the way the book is laid out, this is the first thing you're going to see beyond the cover, so you have to turn the page to get to the right. rest of it. You're not right. You're, you're not getting a bunch of text up up front that you have to like go through. It's like, bam, here's your first vivid image of what's going on. And that goes We're on. We're going to hook you in immediately. Right. That probably goes into odd and even page, which could be another podcast in and of itself. Is yeah. the whole odd and even page well, philosophy. So uh, let's not get into that, but. Um, I was going to use a movie example of the close-up and the freezing is, and I'm glad you brought that up that, cause I kind of got that out of a uh, saga that every mm-hmm. page was a splash page. But, um, I, I think of kill bill, if you guys remember how kill bill opens up, one of the very first things that you get is a totally black screen in the theater and you hear Uma Thurman going heavy breathing like and then they start talking and there's a gunshot and you never see any of it oh yeah right and that was almost quentin tarantino's way of slowing everything down and making you focus in on the dialogue what was happening the panic and all he did was he took the visual image away that's kind of what a splash page seems like it does it takes the visual clutter away But like you said, it doesn't have to be a close-up because let's say you have a battlefield. You know, actually, I remember this on uh, Mad Magazine was a really good example of a splash page. I remember that they had the high school prom and it was a splash page, but it was full of detail. You know, it was not a close-up at all. It was like a camera was placed at the top of a gym during the prom, you know, and you got to sit there and just study the splash page and find... Hey, there's the guy. There's the guy that's burping because he's got a liquor bottle pulled halfway out of his, you know, jacket. Right. And then there's the the girl down in the lower right hand corner that's screaming because she has vomit on her dress. Because guess what? There's another guy that snuck liquor <laughs> into that. You yeah. Know? Oh, and there's another guy with a liquor bottle who's got a ear to ear grin because he's pouring it into the punch. You know. But if they had had those incidents broken into panels, that timing would have been totally different. You right. wouldn't have got the sense that all this stuff's kind of happening at the prom at once. Right. And you wouldn't have stopped and just let your eye wander and pick it up as it right. went. So, well, The other reason it's effective as that kind of like freeze frame moment in time is when you have panels together on the same page, your brain automatically has a reference of time. It knows when there's another panel next to it. You Mm -hmm. can see even without moving your eye to the next panel, just knowing there's that gutter border and another panel that there's a certain amount of time that's passing. When you open to a splash page, there's no other panel to compare it to. So your brain, again, it has no point of reference as to what's next. So it actually freezes. One of the best uh, is whenever you said odd and even number pages, when you have a splash page, that's on the right side and you have to flip, then your brain has no idea any yeah, reference that, of time. It only we, understands that one second and will hold it because it does not know when the right. next panel hits. We talked in our Halloween it, episode about that comics can actually do the jump scare. Yeah. And that'd be a good way to do it is to have a splash page on the right hand side. You get slowed down 
and then have to turn and then you could have the next thing be really fast you know it's like oh my oh, god yeah, what is happening yeah, that's the jump scare right it's there like, uh uh, you, I know, like Tim, you watch Game of Thrones, right? Yeah, and I know, like, like recently there was like an episode. I guess something. I, I don't watch it. But you were like, forced like to a, watch it by uh, somebody. No, finally, I, I just I was reading Square. somewhere. I guess there was an episode called like uh, Red Wedding or oh, something. Yeah, That's I just know there was like a wedding and something really horrible happened. But if you look, at, like, think of a comic book. Let's say you open up and the splash page. You know, is uh, there? There's a wedding and you see all these people and there's a there's the bride and the groom or. If it's not DC, a groom and a groom. Yeah. <laughs> but you, you have the, maybe it's a two page splash and you see the wedding and there's all the people around and then there's, maybe it's the Avengers. Maybe there's two Avengers getting married and there's all the rest of the X Men are there. Like the splash page would show you everything going on. And even though it's just a moment at one second in time froze, you get the idea that, okay, it's a superhero team. There's other superheroes there. It's a nice, peaceful time. But because it's a double-page splash, you have no idea exactly what point in time that you're at. Right. And then as soon as you turn that page, the bride gets her brains blown out. Or her womb <laughs> like, stabbed open. Like, yeah. how fast does that impact the reader? Because they had nothing else to refer. All they see is, ooh, it's happy, good time, till they turn that page. And then, boom, now they're brought right back in mm-hmm. to uh, regular time. They're brought back and okay, fast things are going. But right before that, they were just stuck in one moment. It reminds me of like when you, in a movie or real life, because, you know, I haven't experienced this, but it would be terrible. Uh, you hear the roar of the fighter or the bomber plane overhead, you know, and you're really intense and everything's yeah. fast. And then it drops this little dot. Yeah. And then all of a sudden they would do this in a movie. Everything would be quiet. And it's like. You see the dot descend, descend, descend to the ground, and then the sound kicks back in. Boom! And everything starts going crazy because they just dropped a bomb, mm-hmm. you know? Um, but but like you said, you could do that in a splash page with a comic where you see this, you know, tail of a plane, dot in the middle of the air, and the person just kind of stops, and it's almost like everything became quiet. Right. Then you turn the page and fire people running, you know, stuff like that. So, well, uh, well, here's an example. Um, you know, in, in movies, I, I like the ones where, you know, like maybe there's a there's a real intense like a uh, real intense struggle, or maybe it's like a a, a war. I like Star Wars, you know, like bam, bam, bam. There's all these ships flying and shooting lasers and stuff, and then maybe there's something going on at like uh, another planet. Maybe they're on another planet where things are real peaceful and like. You're basically having to go back and forth between here's the war and then here's what this other character is doing on the other planet where it's not nearly as intense. It might be a real subtle feeling, mm-hmm. but what that person's doing is impacting what's going on in the war. Right. And in a film, you can switch back and forth, and it's neat because you'll have like, you know, this all these crazy sound effects and all these special effects going on and all this really hyper music, and then bam, all of a sudden you're on the peaceful setting. Here's this character, it's quiet, and then bam, you cut back to the war and you keep yeah. going between So the, you're slowing things down. Right, you're going you go from to fast peaceful. to slow. And with the movie, you're able to cut back and forth so the audience gets it. In comic books, that can be a lot harder. But well, and you affect it with sound. There's no sound in comics, but oh, there yeah, is sound in movies. And that's the thing that, that right now, there's actually a page in, in the second book of half I'm working on that I just sent you guys today. Um, there's a scene in the story where where that's, that's exactly what's going on. Like There's this real intense... Uh, situation and it keeps cutting into something that's it, it impacts not as that, immediate, but yeah. it's not, exactly it's not as immediate. And what happens in between the intense to the uh, to the more subtle is definitely impacting what's going on in both situations. But I want the reader to feel like you know 
here's the real loud intense situation and then all of a sudden right underneath that big panel you cut to three small ones well here's a perfect uh, perfect thing that mirrors that is the the movie pearl harbor and the event pearl harbor if you want to think about it that way but they kept cutting back from the stuff that's actually happening ships blowing up planes flying over people shooting each other to offices in washington dc and the decisions that they're making are directly affecting the battle they're going to say you know what bring that group of planes up from the north of the island down because that's where we need to but you change the whole feel and the pacing based on in the movie they would use music right. and camera you know how cut fast they cut the camera right. and things like that but but if you do it right in comic books it's almost like you can let the reader they can almost tell that it's almost like they can hear that difference yeah, of intensity exactly. you know if you do it right the way that i did it on this particular page is, is every time the intense things going on you get like a big you know where one panel it's a rectangle that spreads out you know as wide as the page is you know, and you get the sound effects and the the colors and everything are just much more intense. And then right underneath that, whenever it cuts to the the more subtle situation that's going on elsewhere, you know, the colors aren't nearly as bright. There's more panels, you know, underneath that that, that break it up. There's more close-ups and there's less people involved. And then right. boom, when it cuts back to the intense thing, you go back to another, you know, big, long spread of what's going on. And the reader, even though there's no music and there's no sound effects, because of the way that it's drawn and the panels are set up, they get the idea that, okay... There's definitely a time shift, or we're in the same time. It's just this is somewhere else. I gotcha. This is different. This isn't a part of that scene, and it's almost like they it's almost like they hear the intensity louder in the part that's supposed to be, and they get the subtlety of the other part just the way it's spaced out. So we'd like to take this time out to mention our sponsor, Audible. Go to audibletrial.com slash showmecomics for your th- free 30-day trial. Uh, and what you can do with this, Audible, oh my gosh, it's the best. It uh, will prevent your brain from rotting. What you do is you go around and you do a lot of mundane tasks throughout the day. We all have to do it. We have to take out the trash. We have to brush our teeth. We have to vacuum. We have to do the dishes, fold laundry, things like that. Or maybe you have a long commute to work. There's plenty of time where you know your your brain is almost on autopilot but your body has to be engaged in some activity. It's a perfect time for you to absorb an audio book or an audio program. And you can go get one for free today from Audible by using the slash show me comics. What I'm going to recommend today is something that I picked up. Uh, It was a free college course. And it was, I think, about 18 total hours of lectures long. And what this college course was centered around was Victorian Britain. The reason I picked it up is because a growing genre, both in comics and in just uh, genre fiction, is steampunk. Okay. And there was a, somebody quipped uh, quite a while ago, they said, define steampunk. What is steampunk? And he said, well, steampunk is what happened when the goth kids discovered the color brown. <laughs> <laughs> Which is a pretty funny line, but uh, I didn't get it that the steampunk is a lot about uh, not just the technology of the age and mirroring that with a little bit of the fantasy, but it's really that period in time. If you look at the steampunk clothing, it's very Victorian. Right. Um, and I realized, you know, I don't know a whole lot about the Victorian time period. I'm interested in steampunk. Maybe I can go get some good ideas. So I went and picked up for free from Audible a college course delving way into what it was like to live in the Victorian age. 
through the great courses Victorian Britain. So I'm recommending that to you today. You can pick it up for free from audibletrial.com slash showmecomics. Tim, my question was about splash pages, Mm -hmm. what their use is. Why don't you pick a grid layout and ask Sam what... Uh, if he can explain that. Or what was, the, what was the one that you brought up, 6x6? Six six? Yeah, how about 6x6? Six I, I don't even know what that is. Uh, Sam, could you explain? Uh, I don't know. 6x6 six six probably isn't isn't the best. Uh, Let's see if we can find one of those. In the, I mean, of the books I have here, Saga is probably the most recent work. I so was going to say, you, usually 3x3. Three three. Yeah, oh, okay. So three. you literally meant like number of panels by 6x6. Right. Oh, yeah, six six, that would be a small page. Well, right. right here we have five panels. Mm-hmm. Um, we could probably find a six by six in here. Most of these panels are odd numbered. Is it? Yep. Right. It, it, a lot of that's like a design element, which we can all thank Todd McFarlane for sometimes being awesome and sometimes people doing horribly. We'll talk but, about uh, that then. Like your standard's going to be like two by three and three by three that's kind of like your normal pace like this is oh that's what i meant i didn't mean six by six i meant three by three i was three. like Dang six it. by six that would be the dark knight returns like yeah. that's whenever like you see like all the panels on the yeah, and i think anchors. i said 16 by 16 earlier yeah. i meant 16 panels um <laughs> <laughs> i would say break it down first to just Okay, so he just passed a page where there's two people with television heads doing something that we're not allowed to say on this podcast because it's supposed to be. Hold on, I'm trying to PG find a. Rated. I'm trying to find <laughs> um, a six by six. Be quiet. I mean, a three by three. But um, yeah, two by three and three by three. That's kind of your normal standard pacing. Um, and even uh, most traditional comics aren't going to exactly be two by three or three by three. It's going to be, you know, a one by. Two by one, well, but why it don't still you follows talk about the same. That. Like, uh, here's a question I have for you. So, let's say I had a four panel page, right? And I said, uh, you know, panel one, close up so and so's face. Uh, panel two, close up so and so's face. Panel three, close up of the other person, and then panel four, back to close up of the other person. But let's say you as the artist went through and you decided, okay, those first two panels are both close-ups, but those last two panels, let's put both characters in the panel instead of doing a close-up. Right. Do you think that would be a common thing for a writer to go ahead and say, hey, I want four panels, and you say, okay, I got four panels, but I wanted to change them because I'm the artist that knows more oh, yeah. that's, about art. That's where the editor is very important, especially at uh, the big companies. Um a little earlier, I said something about Todd McFarlane and the whole design thing. McFarlane was one of the first artists that came in and was like, look, hey, writer, yeah, do your thing, but I'm the artist, so let me handle all that stuff and shut up. Todd McFarlane's thing was, you know what? I think readers get a little bit bored with page layout, so I'm going to use the graphic design element to make everything interesting to look at. And he was one that would actually tell the writer like he would send them notes and be like look i did this because i feel like this makes more sense and then the writer would be like you shouldn't do that this is my call and then you'd have the editor in between going hey guys let's sort this out so uh you know i'm not really sure how they solve that these days i guess it's one of those where the artist gets to to kind of make that call and then the writer says i want this or i don't and then if they can't come to terms and the editor's got to be the one to step in and say well we feel the marvel way would be more this yeah now do it because that's what we're paying you to do <laughs> right now okay here's what I, we're, we're kind of going a little bit long 
and I don't mean yet, but I foresee right. we could go long. So here's what I want to do. We, I think we gave somebody a really good detailed in-depth view of the splash page so they can put that in their toolbox now, whether they're a writer or an artist. So they've got the, let's call it the one panel. They've got that now. They know right. how to use it. Let's give them two panel, three panel, and a four panel. Mm. And then we'll have to stop. But I, I want you to talk about when you break those up and why you would use them. Right. Say, first of all, you know, why you would use a two panel, how you would use it, and then we'll move on. Right. Because when you get to four panel, you could have a panel that goes all the way from left to right, two panels under it that go half and half, right. and then a panel at the bottom, or any number of that. It's like it just keeps getting exponential how you can mix it up. Right. I, I think it, it, this, it would make it a lot easier, and uh, it would keep us from going over on time just to do this. The number of panels is kind of arbitrary. It's more to understand this. The more panels you have on a page, the faster time is going by. The less okay. panels that you have on a page, the slower the time is going by. So, like, if we have one big splash page, you know that no t- it, it's one second pause. No time is actually going on. You're stuck in the moment. As soon as you add another panel, you've got at least one second that passes, and depending on how big they are, it, it could be forever in between these two. So the more panels you add to the page, the faster the time is going on. That's why if we did say, uh, there's a page in Hafu. I'm sure you all got your books now. Open it up to a certain scene. I don't remember what page it is. But... Uh, there's like I think I have like 16 panels on the page, and the whole idea is to create confusion and speed. I want heart rate. A 16 people, by 16. Yeah, like a 16 by 16. <laughs> I want people to feel like their heart's actually racing with each panel, and it feels like time is just going so fast. And that's how I want the the character that's in the scene to feel. I want it to feel like you know time is going by so quick, and she's going through all these different emotions, and you keep seeing all these different things, and it keeps flashing back to what's going on. You can even tell by how fast I'm talking. Like that's the the chaos that I'm trying to get across in that scene. That the anxiety to it. The more panels you put in, it's, it gets more confusing, but time seems like it's going faster. You slow all that down by taking more and more panels out until you get to just one, which is where we freeze time. Okay, so here's my question then. Does that work with, within the single page? So let's say what I just described earlier was you have four panels on a page. Right. Now you have a choice. You could have uh, you know, one long panel up top two medium panels in the middle and another long panel at the bottom. Right. Or you could have one really big panel in the first half of the page and then three panels at the bottom. Right. So does that same principle, let's say you had that one really big panel followed by three smaller panels, is that kind of like a mini splash page oh, and, then a, and then a yeah. fast forward yeah. at the bottom? The, cause the longer that a panel is... It's kind of like a, like a sentence in a book. You know, the, the longer that a sentence is across the page, the longer it's going to take you to read it. We read comics just like we do, you know, any type of written literature. We read it from left to right. So in a comic book, if a, if a panel is longer, like let's say it's a rectangle that takes up the entire width of the page, but it might only take up one third of the actual page lengthwise. That panel, longer amount of time is going to pass in that than the panel underneath it that might only be a quarter of the page in width. Or wait a minute, here's a better way to think about it is, uh, you know, for you mentioned the written word, but how about film, which is how I introduced this episode that I'm versed in film. Every panel border is a camera cut. In a way, yes, yes. So, and the only thing that's different about comics is each time you turn the page, you're forced to have a camera cut. Right. Well, and that's where a long panel can save you, though, and it still fits to the amount of time passed by is... 
You know, and this goes back to where I knew you wrote this cinematic, but as a comic book person, I go, look, if I did this entire thing cinematic, it's going to take 500 pages. Right. Because I literally would need one panel for every camera change. So instead of saying, you know, okay, these two characters are talking to each other and we get a, a different panel every time it cuts from one to the other, I'll use a long one across the top where both of them are talking all their dialogues in and they're just doing, you know, like two interesting poses. You read across, it. T- you know that more than just one second's going by, but then maybe what the next person says is more important to show their face, so then they get their own three panels underneath. Or maybe we do quick cuts, and then we go back to another one of both the characters there. Where in a movie, they might not just keep the camera on both people for that long to get their dialogue. They'd have more camera cuts, but as the artist... From the comic book background, I got to know when to go, okay, I can't do separate panels for every single dialogue. Right, and I guess that's where it gets into one of my pet peeves of comics is uh, the single panel with 500 word balloons, Right, you know, uh, between two people. Um, where should yeah. the where should some of the loose rules fall around that? See, that, that comes into something I actually read Stan Lee uh, address that. And um, one of his things, and I guess this is the belief. Stanley and Jack Kirby? No, <laughs> just, just Stanley. And Steve Dicko? <laughs> and Steve Dicko. No, this is just a Stanley thing. Just Stanley? He, he talked about, and I guess this is still a very held belief of comic book companies, is that when someone buys a book, they're not just buying it for the art, they're buying it for everything. And if you get too many pages without dialogue, it's almost like you're cheating the reader out of money. It's kind of like the more dialogue that makes it worth that. That's the value to it. Right. So even if it's the coolest stuff going on, they feel like if there's no dialogue, the reader's going to feel like they're getting cheated out of content. So they have to force as much dialogue. Plus, this goes back to speed. Even though I can set the panels and draw things a certain way so that it slows down time. It doesn't matter because in reality, when you have to actually read dialogue, that's going to slow you down even longer. Okay. So even though your brain might comprehend time, let's say if I pick up a a 24-issue comic book and there's no dialogue at all, I'm going to finish that book, look at each page, get the story, and set it down probably in about a third of the time that if there was dialogue and I had to read it. So we can think of dialogue balloons Mm -hmm. as a force multiplier when it comes to slowing down the pacing. Because it literally slows the person down. Well, that's good to know because if you're trying to write a really crazy, like chase scene and in each one of your, so you've done your 32 by 32. (laughs) (laughs) All right. I'm just kidding. So you have 16 panels on a page because you're like, this is going to make this chase scene quick. But in every one of those 16 panels, they're saying three sentences, right? You've basically cut, you know, off your own feet um, in what you were trying to do because you've slowed your fast pace. Yes. Think okay, of it like a video game. Sense. Think of it like a video game. And this is where the sales side and, and value comes in is if you pick up a comic book that costs, what's the average comic these days? Two ninety nine, three ninety three ninety nine, And you're finished with it in two seconds. Okay, it doesn't matter how good they are. It's like a video game. Let's say you've got a video game where it's like oh, the, right. the graphics yeah, are the you. best you've ever seen. The level was just, it was the insane. The gameplay is awesome. awesome. Yeah. It. The gameplay was great, but the video game only lasts five minutes long, and you paid 40 bucks for it. You would be like, this wasn't worth it at all. It'd be like I when Dragon's if, Lair came out. In the right. Arcade. You're like, this might have been the best game I ever played, but it's only five minutes long, and you charged me 40 bucks for it. Comics are the exact same way, which it could have the best art, the pacing's awesome. But I paid four bucks for it, and I was done in five minutes, maybe even less than that. I flipped through it. I got the point. I saw it in three minutes. That's which. Speaking of, Hafu is sixty-four pages long, 
full color. It's going to take you a little while to read the book, and it's only 10 bucks. So go buy your copy now at ShowMeComics.com. Yeah. But so, to bring it back in, well, the I panels, guess- the pacing, dialogue forces you to slow that person down. And that makes the length of the book longer, and it adds to the value of what you're selling. But just be aware of what you're trying to accomplish in the story. Yes. You know, so if uh, you're like, well, I want them to feel like they got their values worth, I'm going to just pour dialogue all over this like it's thick maple syrup from the Great White North, you know, and just saturate it. Which, well, don't do that in the scene (laughs) where they're running away from the mutated crocodile. You know, don't do that. Right. Which, speaking of syrup, and to kind of wind this down and and end on panels and pacing and everything, is kind of a a DVD extra. I wish I had my my original sketchbook when we started Hafu. My first idea, and I, I think I tossed it your way, before we, before Jordan began writing like the script for it and everything, one of my ideas to begin the book was it starts off with four long rectangle panels, and uh, it, so it's four panels. Each one is like the length of the page, but they're a quarter. Or each one's like the width of the page, but they're a quarter in length. Right. And it starts off the first panel is just like completely so a four by eleven. Yeah, four <laughs> by eleven. So a one by four. And each panel like is, is the exact same size. It's just four rectangles underneath each other. It starts off the first one is just completely just red, you know. So like you said with Kill Bill, you open with like just a yeah. solid color, and though it's not a splash page, little mini one. And then on the the panel underneath that, you see that it's like a scratched up face, and it's a blood drop, you know, getting ready mm. to pour down. And then the panel pulls back even further, oh, it's like the camera zooming. And, out. Yeah, it's yeah. the camera zooming away, like it's like a bird's eye view, but zooming off. And from there, you see Akiko, and she's in a ninja outfit, and she's laying like on the ground. You can see like it's her face and stuff, and then the blood's pouring out of a cut that was on the side of her face. And then as it pulls all the way back into the fourth one, you see that she's laying like in a back alley, and there's trash all over, and it's like. It's almost like she's bleeding to death. Mm-hmm. And then, because it's kind of like you start off your freezing time, then you pull away, pull away, and then you see it's just this girl laying there, almost about to die in a back out. And then as you turn the page, the EMTs show up and they put her in the ambulance and they're putting oxygen on her face and IVs in her arms. And it's like the story just starts off like, whoa, what in the world? There's this right. ninja girl and it looks like she died. And then there was like inner dialogue of something about how much it sucks to die. But yeah. the idea was that it starts off there with like that dark red, just a solid color. Like what's mm-hmm. going on here? Then you pull back, you see it. But uh, I don't even remember if I even showed it to you. But the main you thing did. was after I did, I realized I completely ripped off the beginning of Watchmen. So <laughs> Which if you're going to rip something off, I hear Watchmen's not a, not a bad, that's, bad book. That's how Watchmen starts. Uh, to do it. But, all right. Well, you know, I think I kind of came into this episode thinking that we were going to get some, I don't know, maybe it's just my left brain, but I wanted some templates that I could just be like, all right, and here's a you know a wide panel to <laughs> two medium sized panels and another wide panel, and this is the use of it. And then I could just be like, okay, and I'll go and I'm say, all right, right. Sam, page yeah. three is hey, remember that wide panel, two medium wide panel we talked about? That's what page three is. Let me fill it up. <laughs> yeah. Um, and if it was that easy, then everybody would be selling comic books left right. and right. Well, I also noticed something in my research about the fact that you can say, which I try to get across here, but. You can say the page is four panels, and the four panels that you get back might be totally different from the artist than the four panels you envisioned. Right. They'll still be four panels, but panel two might be huge, you know? Right. And, and panel three might be an inset of panel yeah. two, which is fine, because that's where the artist does their job. But I'm better that we got out of this episode and understanding behind why you're using certain right. layouts instead of layouts to just pull out of our tool bag. Yeah. You know, and use is 
and especially what we talked about on dialogue being a force multiplier of slowing down the pacing that I learned a lot from this episode, Tim. I learned a whole lot from this episode and I'm glad I'm actually, I understand better now than I did before. Like if I, this, this was better for me than if I just had templates to go off. of. Right. Yeah. And I need I have a greater understanding of could, the form. Cause I've seen how to write comic book scripts, blah, 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 all these books, but things they, we definitely didn't know 12 years ago. Yeah. Because I remember right. a lot of panels and a lot of dialogue. Yeah. So, and that, and this isn't just a, Hey, the artist helped us out. The artist helped you blossoming artists out there too. Right. Because that way you don't have to learn it. Like I did, like you draw all these neat, cool panel breaks and then you go to Chicago and Eric Larson asks you if you're stupid because <laughs> you just have the made no sense. Right. All right. Well, I think uh, I, you never tied that back into syrup. That's but true. I'll give you it that was, one. It was this the blood, the blood drop yes, that oh. made me think of the syrup. again. So we started with a really loose connection with the gridiron, and we ended with a super loose connection <laughs> with syrup. So on Super Bowl Sunday, make sure you have plenty of pancakes and syrup, and you'll remember the entirety of this episode. On that note, thanks for listening. We're showing me comics. Wishing you the best in your gritting endeavors. Griddling? Griddling? Was that griddling? You know what? I'm just going to go back. Creative endeavors. Let's just stick with that. I'm not going to be clever anymore. I don't know. Gritting and griddling. That's another connection. Not so loose (laughs) now that we have the whole episode. So, all right. If you want to read my blog, if you want to buy the comic I wrote, go to showmecomics.com. Visit it. Listen to this podcast. Drop us a comment. Send us an email. And I will write you back. I promise. That's right, and if you haven't got your copy yet, make sure you go to showmecomics.com slash hafu and get your copy. If you already have one and you absolutely loved it and you're like the rest of us and you want everybody to know about Show Me Comics and our book, buy one or ten for a couple of your friends and hand them out. Let's get a revolution started. Also, if you're on Facebook, which I'm sure you are right now, make sure you like our page. It is facebook.com slash hafu graphic novel. And if you're on Twitter, make sure you follow us at Show Me Comics. And last thing I like to say is, go Denver Broncos. <laughs> Down, and- set, hey!